I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We are going back to the hive for season five of The, the Connor, Connor Smith Show. Wow, that was really extreme. I was trying to do uh, something uh, opposite. It was like a balloon that was like letting out air. Um, today's guest is from the class of 2003. T. Scott Ross! Yay! Come on down, T. Scott Ross! You're the next contestant on The Hornets Reunite. He, he, you'll find out all about his history of his name. Yes. Coming up. Find out all the tea. We're, we're going to spill it. All right. We're going to... Wait, before we take a quick break. What? Just wanted to point something out to everybody who listens. We have started a Patreon page. Uh, you can find the link in the description of this show... It is just a thing to help uh, support um, some of the art that we are doing, uh, the concepts we are trying to bring to fruition through our YouTube page, through our... It also gets you additional art. Yeah, it does. It additional does. things. So we're just trying to create new art and be our own kind of creators. And, and we thank you, all the SU alum who have... Uh, joined us as supporters and fans you know who you are you do um but um, we really appreciate the help and support and so it, where do you check it out uh you go to patreon and you can search connor with an er and smith um well, and there, is there a link to this podcast i already said i'm going to put it in the description notes of this episode great um so check that out we're going to take a quick break and we will be right to back up T. Scott Ross. Now, we're not calling you T. <laughs> that's that's so funny. My my wife refuses to call me T. Um, it's a it's a real funny story if you want to talk about it. The the T and the T. Scott Ross. <laughs> let's let's get into it in a minute. Let's just do intro so you know who's listening to you. Um, of you course, got it. You know me ish. Um, and my husband. I don't know if you know or not. My husband Matt Connor. Hey, I don't. Hey, Hi, Matt. Hey. Hi, Matt. How's it going? Good. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. And then our producer, Ryan Dean Halbrook. Hello, sir. Hey, Ryan. How are you? I'm well and yourself. Fantastic. Thanks for having me on, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Where are you? Uh, I am in Orlando, Florida at the moment. Wait, isn't that the whole, like, um, who's going to pay for this district names taxes and stuff oh yeah oh yeah oh is yeah. that your district or your county uh actually it's not so i'm in polk county and it, it's a tommy it'll be orange and osceola county i'm like right on the line so that actually wouldn't technically affect me but literally one street over those apartment buildings it would affect them <laughs> and, wow and you are a newly uh, employee of the Disney Corporation? So no, I work for Norwegian Cruise Lines, but I didn't want to live in the suburbs of Tampa, so I moved to the suburbs of Orlando. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. So before we get to Norwegian Cruise Lines, um, take us back. So you you entered as you... Uh, let's get the name out of the way. Yeah. Okay. Let's get back <laughs> to the names. Yeah. What's the, what's the T in T, Scott? Sure. Uh, my real name is Timothy Scott Ross, but I'm a junior. So all my life I went by Scott. 
I went by Scott in high school. I went by Scott in college. And my equity name when I joined equity was Scott Ross. Uh, well, uh, during my uh, during my uh, journey as an actor, I was like, well, I should join SAG. I had done uh, a couple of things, and I was like, maybe I should join SAG to, you know, try to break into this side of the things. And uh, I looked it up, and the name Scott Ross was taken. So I was like, all right, well, I can't be Scott Ross in SAG, so I need to add something. What do I do? And I was talking to uh, Aaron Galligan Sterl, actually, and I went through a bunch of names uh, with him. Like, what about T. Scott Ross? He's like, oh, absolutely. You have to do that one. I was like, all right. I was like, but I'm not going to make anybody call me T. Scott or T. I'll just be Scott, but it'll just kind of like J. Robert Spencer is still Bobby, right? Right. Um, well, one of my uh, my first like real big national tour, I was in the Buddy Holly story, and I missed the first day of rehearsal because I was doing another gig, and I literally flew in that morning and came in after lunch. So I missed the part where you introduce everybody, like, hi, my name's this. So the stage manager introduced me in my absence and introduced me as T. Scott. So when I arrived, everybody in the room called me T. Scott. And they're like, oh, hi, T. Hi, T. Scott. I was like, hey, it's actually Scott. No, T. Oh, oh okay. Hi. And then uh, later in this rehearsal process, the music supervisor you know, he's like, so tell me about this T. What's the T Scott? What an interesting name. I was like, no, it's 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 Scott. You know, I just tease my, you know, it's my legal name. And he was like, in my bad British accent, forgive me. He goes, oh, no, oh, no, it's got to be T Scott. It's got to be T Scott. When we were looking through the cast and I was like, give me the guy with the weird name. Give me that guy. And I went, oh, hi, my name is T Scott. <laughs> and so ever since that moment, introduced myself to uh i go by t scott and that's what i've been for the past uh five years all right so we'll continue your branding t scott the t stands for <laughs> the um that's i'm sure right. you can ask this a lot uh are you any relation to bob ross i have no relation to the happy little trees man oh darn um, who about betsy <laughs> yes no, no, I, no not betsy neither yeah and let's just rule out diana too might as well <laughs> Yeah, okay. definitely not. I'm definitely related to Johnny not. Cash. Oh, nice. Really? Yeah, that's a true story. Just drop Tell that name in the bucket. Yeah, yeah, it's really done well for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in Orlando. Are you from Florida originally? No, I'm from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh, born and okay, raised. Okay, I ask this every time someone mentions Virginia Beach, and I know the answer, but uh, do you know of Edgar Casey? Oh, I do. I did a show at the uh, Association of Research and Enlightenment. Uh, I absolutely know Edgar Casey and a lot of those people, actually. Yeah, his 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 place was Virginia Beach, right? Absolutely, yeah. That's where his old home was. His entire his his uh, ministry. I don't know what you call it, but wow, it's a. Uh, uh, I did Mantle La Mancha there. Uh, the association had like a budget for a theater and so they did a show and hired a director and hired local actors and uh, uh it was like half are people and half just normal local virginia beach actors and uh, uh meeting those people was very interesting very unique uh it was a it was a really fun show but uh, uh whoa <laughs> so when you when you cut uh, well i will talk we could we could talk about casey a long time because i just right. obsessed with people who live in a different realm than you know just concentrating constantly on student debt but right 
But when you when you like are grown up in a, on a beach town, like literally, is it like you know you get out of school at four o'clock and a bunch of friends hop in the car and go to the beach? Well, no, not for me at all. It was everybody who would come visit me would be like, "Hey, you want to go to the beach?" And I'd be like, "Uh, okay." Just kind of, you know, because Virginia Beach is not like I didn't live on the ocean front. I lived like right. a solid half hour away from the ocean front. Right, and so. And I'd go, I'd go to the beach all the time. So it wasn't like, oh, I really need to go to the beach. My stepdad owned a gift shop on the ocean front. Uh, but I definitely, I was too busy too. When I was a, when I was a kid, uh, I came from a, a dance family. My mom's a dance teacher. All my brothers are choreographers and dancers. And so I was, I was in dance class. Uh, and just, if it wasn't dance class, it was, I was doing a play. I was doing a choir thing so i was really really busy and i wasn't much of a beach person i didn't like the heat <laughs> wow is your dad's is your stepdad's shop still there uh uh no not anymore it was called my three sons uh and it was it had the logo of like the, the you know the tv show my three sons with the three sets of feet except they had like sandals and a towel um oh how cute but no Yes, it closed a long, long time ago. It was like a gift shop, just one of those, one of those beach gift shops that sells sunglasses and those shirts are, and towels and stuff. Those are like my favorite shops in the world. Yeah, they're fun. <laughs> I mean, especially as a kid, like you yeah. would go in there and you'd buy like a dead starfish or, or a right. crab, yeah, or a rock, or like a plastic dinosaur. Like they had everything. Here's a here's a box of rocks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, I remember one of the last things they sold was a styrofoam bricks and they called them the Oktoberfest credit card because during one of their festivals there was like rioting <laughs> and I was and I remember being like 10 years old going huh I don't think this is a <laughs> I don't know if this is a good thing to sell in your gift shop I remember getting the like like white puka shell is that what it's called? Necklace yeah. that looks like pearls, but it's shells. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then also a shell ring. Oh, that was like the hallmark of the 90s. And I thought I was rich. I mean, right. I, I kind of am. <laughs> That's the Johnny Cash, right? Yeah, because of Johnny Cash. But um, Johnny Cash money. I used to love like sporting a shell ring and being like, That's right, I went to the beach. And really, it just <laughs> meant you were a douchebag. Because <laughs> that's like the prerequisite of like, preppy douchebag you wear a puka shell necklace and yeah that that's that's a 90s like romantic comedy like mainstay i feel um so scott you um th did you go to a college uh be before shenandoah or was shenandoah like your pick uh shenandoah was my pick but i <laughs> my entire high school life i was gonna move to nashville I was going to go to Belmont University and I was going to be a country music singer. Um, that's what I had, but sort of what I was going to do. My freshman year of high school, sophomore year of high school, that's what my plan was. Uh, and then my junior and senior year of high school, I started uh, doing plays at school and went to a theater competition and won a couple awards. And then I was like torn. I was like, wait, do I go do music or do I go do theater? Uh, and literally I didn't have the type of parents who were like, make sure you do your college applications and make sure you do your interviews. They just, they weren't that type of parent. So I kind of didn't know that I had to, uh, apply for college. <laughs> it's, it's looking back is just ridiculous. And so in like, in like, uh, let's see, March or April of the year that I graduated 
in March or April of the year I graduated, I had a friend randomly call me, an acquaintance really. And he's like, hey, a couple of us are playing a game of D&D. You want to come over? And I was like, sure. And so I went over his house and there was a guy there and he was kind of, oh, where are you from? What's your deal? Oh, cool. And I was like, yeah, I'm still not sure where I want to go to college if I want to do music or theater. And his response was, why don't you do music theater? And I was like, what's that? Uh, and he goes, well, I go, I, I go to Shenandoah University and we have a music theater degree. And I was like, you can major in music theater? He's like, yeah, you, you know, like musicals. And I went, oh, what, like, like Phantom of the Opera? Because <laughs> I, I literally had no literacy in music theater before I went to Shenandoah. I was just a dude who could sing and a dude who could act, but just wasn't the dude who did, you know, thousands and thousands of musicals uh, uh, in my, in my high school. Uh, so I was like, okay, let me audition. So I sent in my audition tape in July, <laughs> in July after, and it was there right after OBT was built. Uh, the class sizes went from really small to really large. Cause they obviously need to pay for that theater. And on a normal year, there's no way I would have gotten in. But on this year when they needed a whole bunch of people, I sent my audition tape and got accepted and our class was like almost a hundred people uh, in our freshman class, which was giant at the time. Yeah, um, that uh, I'm trying to. So you came in in '99, is that right? '99, yes. Yeah. So uh, Anthony Wayne was in my class. Uh, yep. Emily King. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So you came in just as I was like on my way out. Yeah, you were a senior. Yep. So what? Um, who was that person who told you to go to SU? Do you know? Well, funny enough, I don't remember his name, and he dropped out. <laughs> so oh, it was like this. Weird it was me, kiss... it right? Was it was me. you. It was definitely you. It was this weird kismet thing of like, you know, hey, come to this thing, hang out with me, who you never hang out with, meet this guy you'll never see again, and he's gonna get you to go to Shenandoah, and that's gonna set you on a path. All right, gonna, you know, this, yeah. <laughs> this is the unsolved mystery of this entire series. We have got to figure out who from SU was in music theater who told T. Scott Ross to go there and then dropped out. At a Dungeons and Dragons game? I, 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 think, he was, I think he was like in the technical department of music. So he wasn't a music theater major. I think he was some kind of tech major. So if you're <laughs> out there, if anyone knows we're who this looking, could have been. We're looking for the person who changed T. Scott met, Ross's life. Met so you got to SU in 99. You're yeah. a freshman. I was, out of the three gentlemen sitting here talking to you, I was the only one still there. Yeah. I was uh, briefly a senior. Uh, briefly. And yeah, then peaced out. Um, what Were you uh, in any of the shows that year, in mean, your first year there? Freshman year, I just did the two kids shows. So I had a part in the uh, Rumpelstiltskin is my name. And then I was in uh, Arabian Nights as a small ensemble role the second semester. You know, that's what tells you how checked out of SU I was because those don't even ring a bell that they happen during the season to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was well, mentally Josh, already jo gone. Josh Farner was Rumpelstiltskin. If that, that, that rings any kind of a bell. <laughs> no, that, that just kind of is typecasting. Right. <laughs> um, oh, fart dog. And, and, 
am I okay? So, so then you're there till 2003. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, what, what were like some of the highlights of your career there? What were things that kind of stick with you that you had great times doing? Uh, yeah. Um, I, uh, my sophomore years when I started doing musicals and gotten music theater ensemble and then did 42nd street, uh, and second semester, sophomore year, uh, I got a lead role in HMS Penafore and I played Sir Joseph Porter. I got to grow a mutton chop. Uh, so that was really, really fun. But my, the, my favorite, favorite thing ever was my uh, senior year. I got to be the baker in Into the Woods. Oh, nice. That was just, that was just a, a dream. Uh, we had, it was, it was a plot. It was a scheme. I schemed during SSNT before my senior year. Um, Dr. Albert uh, had his little spot where he would, he would be backstage and rest in between acts and such. And, you know, I, I started, I started like talking up, you know, should we enter the woods and just kind of planting the seed and, uh, uh, and the plan worked. And, and initially I'd be like, oh, we should do it in music theater ensemble. And then apparently when Dr. Albert brought it to, to how, how was like, well, why don't we just do it? And so, and so we did it and, uh, and I auditioned and got the role and had the best time. But the hardest thing about that is Hal didn't want me to be the baker. Hal had it in his mind that I should be Jack. And uh, he, <laughs> in perfect how fashion, I went into his office and I was like, can I please audition for the baker? I really feel like I should be the baker. And he was like, I think you'd be a good Jack. And I was like, well, can I just try? Okay. So he let me audition. And then after he gave me the part and I went into his office to thank him, he literally responded to me. I still think you'll be, a, I, I still think you'd be a better Jack. <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Hal. Appreciate that. Wow. Um, and you said, and I think you'd be a better dot, dot, dot. Right. I think you'd be a better, no. But the, and then, and then how proceeded to be extremely hard on me, that entire rehearsal process. Like, uh, and obviously he was, he was, he was really, really sweet to me at the end of it, but the whole process was included a couple tears. Like I was, I was like in the car crying going, what am I doing wrong? Why, why can I not get him to like any choices or anything I'm doing? Um, but it was really redeemed because when, when they, when opening night happened, Lindy came to opening night, uh, and Lindy gave me the best compliment. She was like, you were so wonderful. You made me cry. And I was like, oh, and I, I remember that being a real, real highlight of, uh, uh, SU because I didn't really, we didn't really know Lindy. All we heard about from the upperclassmen is how much of an absolute and amazing genius she was. But, uh, um, you know, we didn't really get to experience that, but that was a really cool moment. Yeah, that's that's a biggie. If Lindy cried for you, that's that's uh, she was a special lady. Um, that's so how like though to just like give you a part and then just ride your ass, you know? Yeah, yeah, he did, he did, he did. He was all to make it better, you know. That's all. He was yeah. playing mind games. He was, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, so what happened for you? Uh, did P.S. I'm weren't you in the Footloose that I came back and did? I was absolutely. Yep, I thought so, and I'm I've probably just um, forgotten because I'm old and decrepit. Um, you were one of were you one of the Mama's Boys? Uh, I wasn't. I was just in the ensemble. I had a role in the previous show, so I had a role in Annie Get Your Gun. 
And so you know how you kind of like you get a role in one SSMT show and the next one you're kind of just in the ensemble. I was I was in the country band. I played guitar in the country band, if you remember that. The Yep. Uh I had the, I had the I remember I had my same outfit I wore in Oklahoma the year before. They repurposed it and I was in the uh and that's what I wore in uh, Footloose. Yeah. I I will uh I will say that I loved uh Liz O'Donnell and Emily King uh, in their roles, respectively, in that show. They killed both of them. And, and, and I'm not here to, like, you know, shots fired or anything, but I will say, I can't remember if it was Mac or Bill who designed that set, but it was one of the, like, most quizzical things I've ever seen in a set design at SU, uh, where at the opening, the Footloose title song, there was a big sign that said dancing in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I never understood why we were being that literal. Um, I, I don't know. I always thought, is it in the script? And there's a sign that says dancing in Chicago. I don't know. <laughs> or, or is this, or is it like in this, the, the, you know, uh, we see Ren and his friends dancing in Chicago. I don't know. Well, I mean, right. if it's not mentioned in the libretto or the lyrics, I mean, how's the audience going to know that you're in Chicago? That you're in Chicago. In your breath? <laughs> it was... That, Wind machines. Did you use a yeah. Chicagoan accent? It was yeah. just one of those things where the first day we came out when the set was built, and I looked at it, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> you know what's where funny about it, that set? It, does it take place? Well, it starts in Chicago and goes to Beaumont, Texas. So then the next sign should have said not, not dancing no. in Beaumont, Texas. Yeah, just acting yeah. in Beaumont. <laughs> Another funny thing about the uh, the set of that show, actually, I uh, uh, the Burger Blast, remember the Burger Blast sign? Yeah. The blast part of the Burger Blast sign, after strike, we went and took it and took it back to our, our apartment, and that stayed in uh, at Taft for my entire senior year. And then it got passed on to other people for a while. Uh, and even even the burger went to a, someone's house too. And the burger blasts were uh, uh, kept around for qu quite some time at the old SU. For as long as Luan Wood can age. So probably That's about right. five or six years. Um, we kept all kinds of, when we had the, the Alpha Psi house on Leicester Street, there was all manner of those kind of Luan cutout kind of things all over the walls. And, and, you know, sometimes I think about them and go, Oh, and I'm like, no, it's like splinters and dust somewhere now. So. I know designers don't want to do this. And this is really not uh, about anything we're talking about. Yeah. But I think it'd be a really great idea if theater communities would find a warehouse that they could all share and they could all keep all of their used stuff in it and almost like a thrift shop let people recycle things and use things over because it's a big freaking waste. Well, the, I agree with you, but then they'd have no hours for their uh, their interns and their shop people to create those things. And that's all what it's about, right? Well, sure. But I mean, I'm just saying like, if, if there's a warehouse where all, everything goes from Footloose, they may not be using that stuff. Yeah. I get, I get what or do saying. they recycle it for? I don't know. We're we're. They... I mean, Scott said his costume got recycled. Yeah. Oh yeah, many times my costumes got recycled at SU. Many, 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 many times. 
let's say repurposed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to, that was fun to me was like looking to see who wore it before you, which, you know, that, that, that's not a rare thing in the regional world either. But, um, so, so what happens for you post SUT? So I go to SETC, uh, and then I book Universal Studios Japan. What? Uh, yeah. So Japan. I, uh, yeah. So I, uh, after college, I gained like, I gained like 15 pounds kind of sitting at home doing nothing, waiting to figure out what I wanted to do. <laughs> it was a very sad time, but good news is I gained 15 pounds. Also good news, uh, because I gained 15 pounds, I was perfect for the Blues Brothers show in Universal Studios Japan. So I went to SETC and did my SETC thing and got called back for Universal Studios and they had me sing Jailhouse Rock and had me sing Soul Man. And I left that audition. And I was like, uh, I'm booking this. Um, and then I, I, I went to Japan for a year. I spent a year of my life in Osaka, Japan. Uh, and during my time there, I lost like 30 pounds <laughs> because it's, it's very easy to lose weight in Japan with the diet. Um, but also I was in the same dressing room as the Terminators. So all the Terminators were, uh, from Australia and they were all Australian Adonises. They were like just these beautiful statuesque muscular dudes. And there's, you know, frumpy me in my Blues Brothers outfit. And then all of the Japanese stage managers who were all really tiny and one day I looked around the room and I wasn't, I, I was big, but I wasn't like obese. But one day I looked around the room and I was like, oh my God, I'm the fattest person in this room. <laughs> and so I went to one of the Terminators and I was like, hey man, can, can you show me how to like lift weights or something? And he was like, yeah, sure. And so he gave me a workout program and I started exercising and then started biking. I biked 45 minutes to work every day. And then by the end, uh, all of the we had fans. It's so weird in Japan. You have uh, you you will develop fans for the theme park show who will come to all of your shows and take your picture and give you albums and albums of pictures of yourself. Um, uh, and uh, they their nickname for me by the end of that contract was Skinny Jake because uh, uh, I didn't look like a you know I didn't look like Belushi at all by the end of that contract. So I was about to say, were you fired because you lost weight? <laughs> no, they just gave me a fat suit. <laughs> it was, was, it was the great. Guy I was that, like, uh, the Australian Adonis. That was Chris Hemsworth, right? Yes, it was Chris. Yeah, before yeah, he was yeah, totally. famous. He, he was, yeah. That's how he got his start. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um, but yeah, then I, um, uh, Universal Studios, uh, I come back home. Uh, I start uh, making uh, trips to New York. I... Uh, book a, a gentleman prefer blondes. I book a national tour. I take that national tour. Uh, I'm gone for like four months. I come back. I go up to New York on a whim and I book Goodspeed Opera House, uh, Pirates of Penzance, and I get my equity card. And I was like working nonstop at a college. I was like, I'm going to be on Broadway in two years. And then I didn't work for seven years, seven years without a show. Uh, and what's insane is, I guess most other people at that point who weren't working, they had left the business, but uh, it was a combination of uh, persistence and stupidity, you know? But like every time I was about to leave, every time I was like, oh, I'm gonna, okay, I'm done. I think I, I, think I can go do something else. Uh, 
I would get a callback for either Jersey Boys or Spamalot or something that I was kind of right for at that time. Um, but then I'd never get it. And then I'd go, okay, and then kind of go back to catering and bartending. And then, you know, the same thing would happen to kind of string me along. Um, but yeah, seven years. And then I broke the streak with my uh, Buddy Holly story, uh, national tour. So in that seven years, I mean, you've got to have a incredible amount of like resolve or faith or something to keep you going i mean seven years is a long freaking time um that's got to be like <clears throat> what keeps you buoyant i mean like outside of hope we'll get to that second but like so right. you're like catering bartending that kind of thing yeah absolutely no i mean uh really it was uh persistence i always had something to look forward to i guess it was I, i'd have the carrot dangled enough in front of me uh it was mostly jersey boys I, I i think i had about 13 to 14 callbacks for every incantation of that show broadway first national first vegas just every single thing that had to do with that show i was brought in for and finally after you know uh five years finally the casting director was like hey it's just not gonna happen it's just, it's just not going to happen. Uh, but having, having go, going through that and then getting, getting your second win, you know what I mean? Okay. Somebody in a Broadway show thought I was good enough to get a callback. So that means I am good enough for this business. Like maybe I just got to wait till I'm older, you know? But also that's got to feel like a long-term relationship breaking up and saying just, it, it's not working for me. Right. Yeah. That was a, that was a really hard day when I got the email back and it was like, you know, uh, uh, I had an, and it's my, one of my older agents, uh, my agent sent me that email that was from casting. And basically the email was like, Scott was absolutely incredible in his audition today. It, he literally knocked it out of the park. It's not going to happen, you know? And that was, and, and I, I guess that should be freeing. Oh, I did a good job. Yay. But it wasn't, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was, uh, depths of, depths of despair, uh, at that point. Um, yeah. That's what they call the shit sandwich, right? Right. Yes. Shit sandwich. Where, feel, feel good about yourself. You did a good job. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You were so fantastic today. It's not going to happen and it never will. But you're so great. Shit sandwich. Right. <laughs> Shit's in the middle. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. so uh, seven years. Um, what did did I see? Uh, did you work at the same bar as? Uh, uh, I did. Yeah, I worked at Rick Angus Wesley. with Rick. Yes, at Angus. I did. Yeah, for two years. Was that all due to a SU kind of uh, hookup? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, um I was catering a lot, and catering started to die a bit because of the the recession and the housing crisis. So I needed to get another job, and I always knew that that Rick was working at Angus and the day I walked in there, uh, uh, somebody quit <laughs> and they were like, actually there is a spot open. Cause normally, you know, all those jobs were all, were all taken, but there was a spot open and, uh, uh, and I nabbed it. That's just like fate, you know? Yeah. Um, so after you finally cracked that seven year streak, um, did things pick up again? Yeah, so I did the, uh, 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 during this time, I kind of had my eye on the show that really changed my life, which was Rock of Ages. 
um, I had a friend see Rock of Ages and say, hey, I think you're really right for the show. You should see the show. Uh, so I saw the show and I fell in love with it. And then it was like, this is my goal. I'm going to be in this show. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to find my way. I'm going to weasel my way. I'm going to convince somebody to let me in this show. Um, and uh, meanwhile, I had a callback for Rock of Ages on the cruise line. Uh, and I booked Buddy Holly's story at the same time. And I couldn't go to the callback. And so because I booked a show, but I really didn't want to do Buddy Holly's story because I was like, that's not really my my cup of tea. But my my agents were like, you have to take what what are you even thinking about this for? I was like, oh, yeah, of course. So I I take the tour um, and it was the hardest thing I'd ever done. I was the swing. I was off stage, but I covered, you know, uh, I covered instruments that I didn't even play. You're like, oh, you're going to cover the drummer. I don't play drums. Eh, you'll figure it out. <laughs> like what? One night I had to go on for the keyboard player. I'm not really a piano player crazy um after that uh, uh, i do pump boys and dinettes with a guy named randy uh and during that time i find out that he's the music director for rock of ages and ncl and i did one of those awful things and i don't think randy will listen to this but randy's a good friend of mine now but i literally said i am going to befriend this person and i'm going to convince him that he should put me in rock of ages and literally the plan like formulated and I, he got me an audition and I got in and I booked it on the ship. Uh, and then when I did the three contracts on the ship on my third contract, the original director and the original choreographer came to work with us. And then I made it my goal. Okay. I'm going to forge a relationship with, with this director and this choreographer. So when they bring it back to New York, they'll think of me. And that happened. They, they brought it back to New York. Uh, Mitch, the guy who originally did it, uh, he uh, got injured and left, and uh, uh, they called me, and I replaced him right before the pandemic. I replaced him and uh, was the lead role in Rock of Ages for three months right before the pandemic. Oh, my gosh. So you're finally where you want to be. Yep. <laughs> and then yeah. there's this little flu from, you know. Right. Yeah. And yeah, cruise I know. lines at that. I mean. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So in the midst of all this, uh, one of the creators of Rock of Ages, Dave Gibbs, uh, my last contract on the ship of Rock of Ages, they had this secondary show called Sid Norman's Poorhouse. And it was just like a, a dive bar, rock band, improv comedy show. Sing rock music, make some jokes with a live band. And uh, uh, I, I was in the original cast and helped create that show. Uh, well, Dave had wanted to bring me back to help teach the show uh and so while i was doing rock of ages i was like okay you know i'll come teach it sure but yeah i'm really focused like this is my big in i'm gonna i'm on the lead in in a off-broadway show like I, this is gonna this is gonna catapult me well the pandemic happened and the cruise line stuff came back really quickly and uh all of a sudden they added sid normans to two ships to three ships to four ships to five ships and so i had an opportunity to have a full-time job teaching the show and that was one of those moments where I was like, I have a daughter now. And so I was like, huh, all right. I think I might need to, to latch onto this streak of luck that, that has hit me and go take something that's really, really steady um, instead of, because I couldn't imagine with Rock of Ages clothes, I couldn't imagine slugging it out another five years, you know, befriending people under false pretenses and, you know, just that grind of fostering relationships and meeting the right people. And 
I, I had that moment where I was like, I don't know if I'm, am I getting too old for that? Where I just like, can we just perform? No, there's all this extra stuff that you had to do. So I had this other opportunity fall on my lap and I just kind of snagged it. And now I'm just planning on riding this wave, you know, and uh, see where it takes me. And do you thoroughly enjoy it? I do. It's great. Uh, uh, I, uh, uh, it's a show that I helped create. And so when I'm teaching it, I'm kind of teaching everybody how to do the show that I created. So that's really fun. So when they do it well, uh, I get pride. I never thought that I, cause I never wanted to be a director. I'm, I'm, I'm a performer through and through in, in college. I was the dude who sang a song at every performance forum at every, I joined Alpha Psi only because they got to do the welcome back show and the, and the Lindy awards. Like that I wanted to do the extra performance performances. Um, so, but I didn't realize that, you know, obviously I understand directors get joy from teaching, you know, their performers, you know, what to do. And then when they do it well, you get that sense of pride that, you know, you, you did, you did good work. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah. I'm, I was just going to say, so that's your job now, or is it another faction of Norwegian? No, no that is my job now. I'm i I'm the resident director of Sid Norman's Poorhouse, And it's strange because it's a, I have a directing job where literally full time, every single day, I am teaching the same show to a different group of people. And then they leave and go on the ship. And then a new group of people comes in, a new band. And I literally do the same thing all over again. Um, and so that's, that's great. You actually, you know, you work for a cruise line, but you don't have to go out on the ship. I do uh, to do the install. So I'll go do one week on the ship. Okay, well, that's still, you know, better. Oh, than yeah. being, I mean, I've had friends that, you know, they loved it. But at the same time, it's a, it's a lot of work just to be oh. on the boat that much time. Oh, absolutely. And when you're a crew member, you don't have you don't have a lot of privileges and you have to abide by a bunch of rules. When I go on the ship, I'm basically a guest. So, you know, I'm like, you know, hitting the buffet, hanging out. Perks. <laughs> uh, yeah. When you were um, became in the, the in the family of Rock of Ages, did you ever rub elbows with Ryan Williams? Uh, I uh, we are friends on Facebook, and we connected. He did the he did the first ship contract, uh, and then uh, he. Uh, I've never actually met Ryan, but I, I've, I've we've we've connected on Facebook. But yeah, I think he may have been a part of it in Vegas. Yeah, he may have done the Vegas one too. He he's been in the family. He's definitely. He's definitely and, a family member. Yes. And Wooten. And Jason Wooten as well. Yeah. Yes. And I've met Jason a few times. Yeah. When we were in Vegas, like on vacation, Jason was there with Rock of Ages, I believe. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um at any rate, all right. So that's where you are now. And that's that's like uh, do you ever feel and I don't mean this to lead the witness. Huh. Do you do you find new ways to feel joy with teaching the same thing every day because you were connected with the like the beginnings of it? Uh, yeah, it's look. I've been doing this since full time since about April. April's kind of when I started, just like nonstop. So I'm on April, May, June, July. I'm on four months of literally doing the same thing every day. Um, and the good news about the Sid Norman's Poorhouse is that there's so much material. It's mind boggling. It's literally the hardest show anybody could ever be in. In three weeks, the singers have to learn 80 songs. Wow. Um, not only that, they do five different shows and each of those shows has a different 
improv script, if you will. You know, there's, uh, it's not like learning Shakespeare, but there are like bullet points of what they have to talk about. Um, so it's so much material. So I find the joy in, you know, getting to one of my favorite songs and hearing it done well, you know? Uh, if, 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 there's a, if, the, if there's a cast that's really struggling and a band that's not tight, it can get really soul sucking and really re kind of hurt. Uh, it, you know, I kind of, I went from like a stellar, amazing cast a couple months ago to a an okay cast and it's been much more of a grind uh some of those rehearsals that being said when you have a mediocre cast that all of a sudden gets their act together and then all of a sudden gives you some amazing moments then it gets really really exciting again so i think it's about finding finding those moments of growth uh is is what i look for where i find the joy and so like you have these different casts and then you go for each cast, like the first week? Uh, I, we, our rehearsal process is three weeks. Uh, and then we have one week of install on the ship. And I'm there for the entire, from the beginning to the end with them. Okay. So you, one week on the ship, yeah. Correct, one week on the ship. Three for weeks in cast. the rehearsal studios for each cast. Gotcha, and then like, so, do you go back and visit those casts at all after? I mean, I don't know if you've had the opportunity since it's, it was April, but like to be able to go back and see, you know, if they've kept it up, is there somebody right. on, the, on the ship to do that? Right. So uh, that's a yes and no. So normally that's not the policy that we can go back and check in on the casts. However, if it's a new build, you can go back. And we just did a new build on NCL's brand new ship, the Prima. And so I will be going back to see that cast in October, but that's actually... Uh, that's an oddity. Normally, I send a cast on their way. I leave the show in the hands of the show captain and the band captain, and it's their show. And I look at the show reports and I make sure that you know nothing crazy has happened and everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then I only see them again if they come back and uh, return to the show. Well, um, so you're just like sending your design, your direction out to sea every couple of weeks that's kind of cool yeah i mean you're you're putting your little like and thousands of people I enjoying mean, it yeah yeah i mean i've been on yeah. cruise before like there's nothing to do like to go see, right. see the shows yeah so the place is packed and always has a good audience it's uh, uh it, it's really I, I i got so lucky falling into this job and again i, I never thought that i would find anything as joyful as performing. Uh, and this comes, this comes pretty darn close. Uh, just watching the show and watching all the guests kind of lose their mind over authentic rock music. And, uh, and do you have anything really to great. do with the actual like casting? Yes. Yeah. Now, now I'm pretty much uh, it's, it's me and a music director and the casting director for uh, NCL. And uh, it's, I, I'm one third of the choice. So um, do you ever have to make a choice where you're like, uh, you would have been a better so-and-so? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's funny. My casting is very, because, because I have so many open parts, like I have, I have four different casts. Each cast has four singers and they're twice a year. Um, so that's 32 people I need per year. I need 32 people per year. So I need people. I literally am, I, 
it's it's funny. It's not so much like, ooh, let me let me choose between these five people. It's like I need a girl who can sing this high. I need a guy who can sing this high, and they sing in tune, and they can sing with other people. And if you match all of those things, I will hire you. So I it's can do that. more. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> send, send me a tape. I need. To, I lose sleep over trying to cast this show. I really do. Send me <laughs> anybody who's listening. If you sing rock music, please send me your stuff. I need people so bad. I'll be in New York in September, and I look at every every email, every submission that comes across my email. I look at. Um, what's uh, what's your business email so people know that? Uh, it's t scott at sidnormanspoorhouse dot com. T. Scott at SidNormansPoorhouse.com. Keeping that brand, man. T. Scott. T. Scott. That's the brand. That's the brand. I know. The accidental Spilling brand. The tea with T. Scott. <laughs> I, it, so the, uh, the, the ship is the New Norwegian? Yeah. Yeah. Norwegian Cruise Line. Yeah. Yep. I actually I, just I, took one of those not too long ago. So do you go to Norway? Uh, I've been to Norway, the getaway, when we opened the getaway, it was in uh, uh, the fjords. Uh, it, we stopped in Oslo and then went through the fjords. So, yeah. So it's a Norwegian company? Uh, no, I, I think I think it used to be, but it's a, it's, it's, it, their, their base is in Miami. They used to be called Norwegian Caribbean Lines because uh, it was started, uh, it was started by, it was started by one person who I think was Norwegian and the other person who left Norwegian and created Royal Caribbean. They used to be, they used to be the same company and they split. I think um, that happened with Troika too, back in the day. Yes. Right? <laughs> it was Troika and then Phoenix or something split. Anyway. No, I was just curious literally because I've never really thought about this until just now. I heard you say earlier that it was Norwegian. I thought, does that mean the Norwegian like business uh, meetings are in Norway, is that where the money comes from? Not at all. It's it's just a name at this point. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they're all. Yeah, they're, at this point, big. it's just a a, a a label like Old Navy. Do you have a favorite right. a line like where it goes? Um, uh, the Mediterranean, the uh, at, sailing out of Chivi, which is the port near Rome, uh, and it goes to it'll go to Naples, it'll go to Athens, it'll go to. Uh, the Grecian Islands. Oh uh, man, that one is that one's killer. That's a really really great port. Just beautiful, probably every single day. Oh yeah, yep. And then I really love the Southern Caribbean, uh, uh, Dom Dominica and uh, Aruba and Martinique. Those are all really really nice as well. You know, I don't really want to hear about this anymore. <laughs> yeah, shut up. It's like <laughs> I've been. I've been sitting here in my living room for three years. Yeah. And you're basically going through Aruba, Jamaica. Jamaica. Oh, I want to take you on Norwegian. Um, so before, before I'm mindful of your time and I'm looking at us coming on the cusp of an hour, I just want to ask a few questions out of pure curiosity. Sure. Into the Woods, SU. Yeah. Who played your wife? Uh, Liz O'Donnell. Uh, awesome. Who played the witch? Emily King. <laughs> We're talking to her tomorrow. We're talking to Liz in a few weeks. Oh my um, gosh. Yay. Who, who ended up playing Jack? Uh, it was split cast between R.T. Dodge and Harry Culpepper. There you go. 
Well, um, T. Scott. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ryan. No, I was just going to say that what you're about to say. Uh, so during the pandemic. Yeah. Was there anything when you couldn't visit the islands? Right. Yeah. Was right. There anything yeah. That you, uh, streamed or read or you know something that really stuck out to you that you just really loved. Uh, so I, th- this is this is a little off topic from the question, but literally the only thing I did during the pandemic, and this is going to sound really geeky, but it's just the truth. Um, I got into buying and selling Magic the Gathering cards. What? And literally all I did every day was listen to podcasts about magic, about collectibles and specking on collectibles. And I opened up a store on TCG Player, which is the website to sell magic cards. And I would buy cards overseas and like spec on them and then flip them here. And I'd buy collections on Facebook. And then I just, and I would just, and I would, I would churn to just make a dollar because I had nothing to do with my time. So if I bought something for $100 and sold it for $105, even though it took me an hour to do the transaction, I would still be like, yay, I made five bucks because, you know, it was the pandemic and I was just killing time. <laughs> but, do you used to play Magic the Gathering? Is that I, the... I, yeah, I do. I play, I, play, I, play, I play a lot of Magic. I love, I'm a big, I'm a total geek and nerd. I mentioned D&D uh, earlier, but yeah, I used to play, I play a lot of Magic and all I did was spend money on Magic. So then I got wise and realized, oh, you can make money if I just have the right information. And so I joined this group of like this, I joined this discord group called the pro traders. And it's like this secret info group where they give you the hot tips and then tell you what cards to buy and what cards to sell. And um, yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> it was, it was, I was on my phone and my wife would be like, oh, you're doing deals again. I was like, yeah, yeah, I gotta get this. I gotta get this collection before it goes. I, I gotta buy, it's a hot, I got a hot tip. <laughs> It's I'm so at the funny. playground pushing my daughter in the swing on my phone, you know, trying to buy magic cards from Europe. I I have uh, downstairs a few of the original Dungeons and Dragons like um, books, oh, like Monster sweet. Manual. I think I have one of the first Monster Manuals. We'll sell it to you for a grand. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I have uh, like old um, modules, like from like '83, '82. Uh, that I had when I was a kid. And um, I currently play Dungeons Dragons, so yeah. So you're, oh, nice. you're in a room of geeks. So oh, fantastic! Good. I feel I feel loved. I feel appreciated. No judgment at all. Um, all right, my friend. Well, thank you so much for connecting with us and talking. Um, we appreciate it, and nothing but the best of luck for you and your family there in Orlando and your continued journey uh, with Norwegian. Um, we really uh, appreciate your time and. Nothing but love for you. Yeah, I'll see you in New York in September. We auditioning. Please, please, please do. September 8th. You know what? I can't play drums either. So if you need a drummer that can't play drums, give me a call. You got it. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, T. Scott. We Have will, a good night. We will talk to you soon. Thank you guys so much. That was fun. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks, T. Scott, for joining us. Thank you so much. Um, we're going to be submitting resumes to audition for the cruise ship probably by the end of the year. Um, I will be your rock in Rock of Ages. It's a different show, but that's okay. What is? The show that he's auditioning. What's that? What is that for?
for the cruise ship. What's the show? It's got a name that I've never heard of, but it's somebody something something something. Oh, okay, that one. That one, yeah. Okay. It's like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, but not. Well, then I will be singing something from Rock of Ages for that specific show. Any, whatever gets your work, you know, whatever floats your boat. Um, but thanks again. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to have another show for you all tomorrow. Um, it is Labor Day weekend. So, like, are you ready to, like, grill out and do all kinds of stuff? Ooh, yeah. End of, end of summer, which is sad, but beginning of fall, which is happy, you know? Some would disagree. You know, it's just uh, just depends on where you live and what the temps are, you know? It just depends on how you look at the seasons. I personally get depressed. You do, but you love fall, too. I do love fall, but you I just have I, to get into it. But I do, I do experience some sort of emotional sadness when it is 8.30 right now, and I look outside and it's dark. Yeah. I don't know that I have something built in my little self about darkness. I don't know what it is. I don't like it. Um, I could never live in Alaska where, or in any place in the world where the nighttime is like the majority of the time. But um, I think the reason I come out of the seasonal depression um, is because I, you know, I do like the holidays and all that stuff. You, you start to get used to like the end of the day is like five. Well, and all the colored lights help you get through it too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. Well. If you want to learn more about us, this is a great segue. If you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an ER. Find us on our Patreon page under Connor and Smith, again with an ER. Find us on social media under Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Again, Connor and Smith. Yet I say it again with an ER. Please rate, review, subscribe to this episode. It really helps us out a lot. Post it where you post things. Share it where you share things. Join the Discord discussion where it's basically uh, social media for people who don't have it. Uh, you can post pictures, all kinds of stuff. Connect with your alum. Uh, I don't have pictures of everybody, so it's important that people jump on and throw some on, especially if you were a guest. So join us. Uh, join the discussion. So join us. Leave your field of flowers. It always goes back to Pippin. Um, and you can also add to the late 90s Spotify playlist. The links for all these magical things are in the show notes in the description. So we will see you tomorrow. Until then, have a great night. Bye. Bye. Bye.